Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Beyond the Grid Revisited. I'm Tom Clarkson, and as we build up to the beginning of the F1 season and a brand new series of Beyond the Grid, I thought it was the perfect time to look back on a few key interviews from our now rather hefty back catalogue. From world champion drivers to design trailblazers and international managers, we've had legends of plenty on the show since we launched in July 2018, when we kick things off with this absolute humdinger of an episode, F1's current kingpin, Lewis Hamilton. So much has happened since we spoke to Lewis. He's won three world championships for a start. And with hindsight, I think that lends a real poignancy to his words. Lewis was extremely candid. We spoke about everything from success and regrets and how the sport has shaped him, as well as travel and fashion, relationships, making music, even his attitude to one day having kids of his own. If you've never listened to this conversation before, I really hope you find it a good window into Lewis the person. And if you have heard it before, I really hope you take something new from it. So here we go. Lewis Hamilton speaking to me ahead of the British Grand Prix in July 2018. You look like you're in a great place at the minute. You're driving better than ever. You're about to sign the most lucrative contract of your career. Just is life as good as it's ever been or better than it's ever been for you? Well, firstly, hi to whoever's, uh, whoever's listening. I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're, um, you're feeling positive and whether you're working out, whether you're at work today or whether you're with your family or just driving a, to the grocery store, um, yeah, sending you guys some positivity. I, I am, yeah, naturally I've, I've it's still today hard to believe how how fortunate I've been in my life, you know, obviously to start in a council estate and be where I am today. I was just standing on the balcony at home um, just yesterday with uh, one of my best friends. He's been my best friend since I was 10. And he's like, wow, it's a long way from where we grew up. And so for that split second, we had this kind of silence, but also we were able to enjoy it. Um, so yeah, definitely, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind. It's crazy to think, I mean, geez, I'm, I'm in my 12th season of Formula One, or this will be the end of my 12th, yeah, my 12th season this year, I think. And I am just on the way to signing a new contract, and it's, it's just crazy how quick life goes, as we all know. I always wanted to be a racing driver. I never thought, I hadn't even for a split second thought about all the other things that would happen, the other things that would come with it. You know, I, I do remember talking to... Uh, one of the races that I was racing with years ago, and we were like, hey, how cool it'd be if one day we had a boat, how cool it'd be one day if we had jet skis and get to travel the world and all those kind of things. Just, but you know, just as kids talk crazy stuff. And not that I have a boat, but the travel and do those things. It's, um, I really do truly believe that somehow you can manifest certain things that you either envision or you dream Almost everything that I've envisioned has come to light, apart from like going to space and being Superman or like, for example, I, uh, I naturally I wanted to be a Formula One driver. I was like, that's what I want to do. My, my, my f- view of it never, it was never a part of, you know, from five years old, there was never like, oh, actually I want to be a football player or actually I want to be a tennis player or it was just always 100% racing. I want to be in Formula One and I never lost sight of it. And that's where I got to. It's just crazy. And for example, I, I, I got a, an invite to Monaco when I was younger. And I firstly, I dreamt of going there. I got to go there. And then when I got there, I saw it and I was like, wow, this is where I want to live one day. I live there. I always wanted to design my own fashion label and do something with a, a top brand. And I just put my focus on trying to get myself in position to be able to do so. I've just embarked on doing it. So it's just crazy how one thing can lead to another. What do you put it down to? Because not all of that is, is down to raw talent, is it? Is it, is it hard work? Yeah, um, well, I mean, naturally, for me personally, nothing has come, uh, everything, racing is everything for me. So everything is spurred from that, naturally. But, you know, when you get to Form 1, there's a lot of, there's a lot of whispers around you that the racing, or there's a, racing drivers all you can be you can't be anything else you know and 
there's you can be whatever you want to be and you can be as many things as you want to be um it depends how much time you have and how much focus you want to give it but um but the fact is there are i mean i think we all have talents in lots and lots of different things it's about discovering them i mean i was very very lucky to discover mine when i was 5 you know that i know that doesn't happen for many people people don't maybe don't find their true talent till later it might be that their parents weren't in the position or or weren't open minded enough maybe to have suggested something or you've dibbled in something but you've not stayed with it you know like I, for example I I always wanted to play the piano but I had one lesson with this classical teacher the woman was like 80 years old and I nearly fell asleep in this in the in the class and I stopped 20 odd years later I'm like damn it I wish that I stayed. Do you really wish you'd stayed? Yeah, because I'm learning now. And it's just I would be a magician at the bloody piano. You'd be right grade 8, you'd be away. I'd be grade 8, I'd be so good right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it, it it is talent and it's just really also focus. I think focus is the key. The key to yeah, achieving what you focus. want. When did you first become aware of life beyond Formula 1? Um Jesus if I, I for me it was when I got into a relationship and it just so happened my my relationship was with a with a woman that's that was in Los Angeles so I don't know if I would have got to Los Angeles any time in that period if it hadn't been for that relationship so but going out to somewhere and experiencing something new and seeing a new world and and meeting people from different walks of life uh actors and musicians and um and all sorts and bit by bit started to see more and then also started to expand your mind your your mind so it's very easy when you we grow up in a city or you you sit at your desk and you're focused on one thing you you get tunnel vision and it's difficult some it's like you're like a horse with those blockers on you know and it's really trying it's, it's really trying to open your perspective and definitely as a kid I was tuned in to be in tunnel vision when was that what year did you sort of did you start that relationship just cuz it's very late it was quite late okay. uh the actual yeah the relationship yeah. i started when i was 23 so i mean i really i don't feel like i really started to grow till i was like in my mid 20s and prior to that it was just racing 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 and you know family racing 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 and uh yeah but would you be the driver you are now if you hadn't been so focused in those early years um I think I would be a better I think I potentially be would have been better or I maybe I would be the driver I am now earlier. Yeah, I think if I'd if I I was a bit more open-minded and more grown and and more mature at a younger age naturally I think I would have been in a better position. If I had the maturity of me as a 26-year-old at at 22 or 28-year-old at 22, you know, but that's the same for all of us. You know? If if and but if you knew what you knew now Yeah, but then you would 20, be a 20, billionaire, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember first interviewing you. You won't remember this, but it was back in 2006 when you were in when you were in GP2 and the take home message for me, I mean you were dominating and having a great mm. season and everything. Um but was how relaxed you were. Because mm. there's so, so much intensity <laughs> around some of the young guys coming through now. Yeah. They just want it so much. Yeah. And one thing that really given that you were you know on the McLaren young driver program and you were clearly the next big thing for sure. for Great Britain. I just remember thinking he's just so cool with all this. <laughs> How is that possible, you know? A lot has changed in your life. But but can you still see a lot of yourself oh, in definitely, definitely. Yeah. Even from even further back than than 2006. I I think you're never going to lose really who you are, especially when you've got your your super close to your family who keep your feet on the ground and and you've got your closest friends still your the one from the day you met at the you did your first day at senior school uh, high school um but uh, uh yeah i remember when i was 2006 i mean i always had the confidence in what i was doing i knew i knew i had the ability and i knew i was going so there was in my mind there was no i was like a a runaway train i was you can't stop it you know like i i knew where i was going and there was nothing i truly believe there was nothing to get in my way You had a lot of momentum. Yeah, sure. I had momentum at the time and and yeah, for sure. I mean, I had was signed by McLaren, but I wasn't every day was a worry that I could lose it. My dad and and I, we 
particularly my dad would would spend just hours and hours and hours and hours just communicating with Clara and just trying to make sure are we doing everything you guys want us to do is there anything more we can do just trying to go over and above to make sure because we have to be squeaky clean you know we're the only black family in the sport it was by no means at all an easy route uh, we were very very lucky that we got funding which we wouldn't have made it to Form 1 without we just couldn't find the money but we still had to navigate we had to make sure every weekend we crushed it we had to make sure that every single person that we came in contact with, be it uh, whether your your team, whether it's the sponsors, whatever it may be, they go back to the big boss and they're like, wow, these guys are switched on. These guys are the best people. They're so kind. And, you know, just making sure that you've left no stone unturned so that when it comes to the day, they say, so who should we put in the car? There's no question or doubt in their minds. We may be looking back and revisiting some standout conversations in our back catalogue to kick off our new season. But one thing is certain, we all need to look to the future as well. And now more than ever, 2021 is looking up, which means there should be plenty of new opportunities for you to grow your business. So whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. There's an incredible amount of resources that can help you post a job with targeted screening questions, manage job posts and contact candidates with ease. There's even support to help you ask the right interview questions, all designed to help you hire the right person faster than ever. Now all easily accessible from your mobile whenever and wherever you need it. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash grid. Again, that's linkedin.com slash grid to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. How has Formula One changed you? Formula One, uh, I would say Formula One is, well, I mean, Form One has given me a life, given me a, a purpose, which is pretty special. But Form One has also broken me. It's, it's it's broken me and it's built me and it's broken me and it's built me. You know, it's. What do you mean broken? You? Well, when you go through it, you put so much into it. it. It breaks your heart. It kills you when you fail, when you stumble, when everyone's watching when you stumble, and then when you get back up and you succeed, it lifts you up. So. Um, you fall and you break a bone and you, you heal and you keep going. And so that's what I mean by it. Uh, it's the emotion of sport, I guess, isn't it? It is. The, the, the passion you have for what you do and the will to succeed is just something that I, I it's hard to express, but I think, but everyone has it in some shape or form. And do you love the emotional highs and lows? The fact that it's so unpredictable. I don't know if I can. Or is that hindsight again? I don't know if I can say that I love the highs and lows because the lows are the worst. Uh, and I'm generally quite an emotional person, so I, I would say there are athletes and drivers and just performers that there are some that have. If you imagine, uh, it could be not the heartbeat line, but if you imagine like an oscillation, uh, a line that's oscillating up and down, up and down, up and down. There are. There are some, say that's an emotional line, there are some that have higher ups and downs. It's off the charts and some of them are more balanced. I would say probably the, the best performers like Serena, like Muhammad Ali, theirs is more, more calm. And the calmer you can get it, I think the better it can be for you. More but if, but yeah. if you're, I mean, particularly at the beginning of my career, I was peaks, peaks up and down, just freaking hard to keep it focused, you know? But if you can then learn to breathe and calm that that squealy oscillation line in the motion you can then focus a lot better i guess it's almost the same as if you look if you're, you're shooting at a target but you're moving around if you can breathe and calm it down you're much more on target hold your breath yeah i think Formula one has as i said it's given me it's helped me grow i've gained a lot more confidence um within myself what it's 
given me is the platform to be able to do things that I want to do, live a life that I could have only have dreamed of. But it's also given me an opportunity to work with like big, huge teams of people, big companies, travel around the world, see different cultures, um, dibble and dabble in different lingos, try food, different foods. Um, you love travel, don't you? I, get the I do. I just, I just, I just really appreciate culture, and particularly when you get to visit different places, you get to. It's great. I like and appreciate seeing different cultures, uh, different religions, all these different things. It's uh, we're all so similar, but also so different in so many ways. How many countries and, uh, do you think you visited in your life? I can't. I can't number it. There's still, still, still countries that I have not visited, but it's, it's a. It's a freaking lot of countries. <laughs> You've I lost mean, count. Yeah, I definitely have. What's still on the list? Um, I've not been to Bulgaria, for example, just randomly. I've not been to Serbia. I've not been to Iceland. I've not been to the Antarctica. I've not been to Egypt. There's a lot of places I've still not really? been to. But I think I've really tried to steer clear of doing them all as well because I've, there is a life beyond racing. And I don't want to have done everything, you know. I remember the first time I travelled to Italy, and I remember landing and driving, and everything just seemed so alien. And, and I missed like that, yeah. And I missed that feeling. Mm. And mm. so, because everywhere I go, I've often been to already, and you've lost that. It's like when you drive a Formula One car for the first time. That first feeling, it's never going to be the same. It's it's like when you kiss a woman for the first time. It's never the same. It's always different, not that it's worse or anything, it's just different. And I think I would like to hope that one day when I stop racing and I go and take family somewhere, it's an, I get that feeling back in a new place that I've not been and I'm venturing out and experience. That's what I'm really, really hopeful of. So I'm, going, I'm trying to keep as many places as possible. So actually it's quite interesting because you're, 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 you're talking a lot on social media at a minute about wanting to challenge yourself. Mm. I mean, I've seen videos of you scuba diving. I mean, everything. Skiing. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, snowboarding. Do you ski or snowboard? I snowboard. Snowboard. Yeah. Having a massive shunt, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for a guy who does what you do for a living, why the need to constantly challenge yourself when you're not in a racing car? Just since I was a kid, I've, literally since I was a baby, if I wasn't moving forwards, I just feel like I'm standing still and um, almost dying. You know, so... <clears throat> But this is dangerous, just, some of this stuff you're doing. But yeah, um, there's no um, dangerous, there's no sort of dangerous sport con no clause in no your contract. Pain, no pain, no gain, <laughs> and no risks, no rewards, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm definitely at a place in my life, I wish that, going back to the whole piano thing, I wish that I stuck with things, having known what I know now, when I have, if I'm fortunate enough to have a family and have kids one day, geez, I'm just going to spread out all these different, you know, instruments and, and, um, I think I'm going to be a fun-loving father, but I'm just going to, I want them to speak as many languages as they can. I want them to, to have a, an open mind from very early on, you know? And uh, just think of the opportunities your children are going to have. Yeah, it's going to be so much different too. So, and I, I have, think you yeah. can't criticize or be hard on yourself for what you didn't do. No, definitely. Yeah, you I, got I, to where, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's about opportunity, isn't it? It is about opportunity and... No, we did the best we could with what we had, for sure. Yeah. But I just... I, but just right now, I'm just trying to... As I said, I, I, as I get older and you know, having people pass away, you realise the, the, how fragile we are and how, how precious life is. And all of us, me, everyone, we take so much stuff for granted. Everything in our daily, in our daily lives. You get in the car and you drive somewhere. It's just a just another means of travel but what's gone into getting the fuel you know extracting the fuel from the oil and all those different things I just think it's just about I just want to whenever my time's up I want to be at the I like to imagine the pearly gates and I'll be like I didn't get through everything that I wanted to do but I geez I gave it a good shot and I got through most and so yeah I'm I, there's just I'm trying to trying to learn things, I'm trying to, you know, I'm challenging myself. So for example, I, I did my diving test because I love the ocean and I'm fascinated by sea life. And, and so, but the, the challenge of doing the test was something that I, because I, as a kid, I'm dyslexic, I struggled at school. So challenging my mind, learning new things, surpassing certain tests. I love doing risky stuff, 
even if there's a bit of pain sometimes in it, I just just love that thrill factor. So there's, that's never going to change, whether you're bungee jumping, whether you're skydiving, whether you're doing these great things, which I know not everyone gets to do. And when I posted that video, I look at it and I'm like, there are a lot of people that won't, that currently don't have the opportunity to do those things. But when I've posted things like, whether I've been flying private or something, it was never ever to put it in someone's face. It's really just show you what's possible. I grew up in Stevenage in a council estate. I grew up, I grew up living on my dad's couch. It's, and it just, if anything, it was really, really to try to show you that it is possible. But I think in today's society, people want everything now, mm. as we all do. You know, when I was young, I was like, I want to be a full one driver now. Mm. And it took 20 bloody years to get there. Mm. But um, it's really just to show to people that there is possibilities. It was, that's what it's meant to be. And look, I'm in a different place in my life. I'm in Formula One. Yes, I have, I have money. I mean, I might have a much different platform to lead myself from. But I tell you what, I'm not just going to sit and squander my money or sit around and do nothing. I'm, I want to keep moving. I want to meet new people. I want to learn new things. Um, I'm not well, going to be good at everything, but I can damn sure give it my best go. Well, look, we talked about music. Yep. Frustrations of not being more serious at the piano when mm. you were younger. Um, what else is out there then? Talk, talk, talk me through some of the other things that are on the list for Lewis Hamilton to achieve. What, are we going to sort of, in 20 years' time, hear that you're stood on top of the world, on the top of Mount Everest? Or, you know, is it... Uh, that's on the list. That is on the list. That's on the list, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely on the list. Um, what something I'm kind of slow at right now is education is everything and, and being educated as to what's healthy I mean, you go to most doctors today and, and they actually don't really know what's healthy food-wise. They they, they're, they're taught the old way. For example, milk is supposed to be good for you, but it's not good for you. You know, there's scientifically proven new methods now of things you should eat. I mean, I'm on a plant-based diet, but I didn't learn that until I'm like 32 years old. And I see footage of what SeaWorld is doing to animals. I see things that are happening, whether I'm diving, whether I'm seeing footage on TV, on documentaries of what's happening to our oceans. I saw a picture of a seagull, uh, it was a seagull, stuck in a plastic bag yesterday, and it was horrible. And luckily the photographer got hold of it and helped it get out of it. Um, so I do want to be a part of a movement that's doing something positive mm-hmm. uh, for change. and um, In the ocean? or just Not just in the oceans, but... Right. Um, Oh, well, I mean, plastic is a massive thing. So, for example, when I'm and right now, I'm trying to convince my... Like, when I'm in an engineering meeting with my team, there's 20 or 30 people in the room, and everyone's got a plastic bottle. There's no reason why they can't have a cardboard carton of water. So I'm trying to convince my team to move that direction. Pete Bonington, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Toto. Toto is the boss. So just... You know, uh, yeah. when I'm designing, for example, I'm designing my, my clothesline, I'm using eco, I'm pushing Tommy to use eco-friendly uh, products, fabrics. And this is the first time they've actually had to do it. So now they're all their normal companies that you go to, to to give them fabrics, they're now having to discover new ones if they can't do it. So now they're also moving in a different direction. And my goal is eventually my, hopefully by my third or my last collection out of four, it'll be 100% eco-friendly. You know, and just all these different things. Uh, one of my friends is an NBA player, and I've just been talking to him about my experiences being on a on a plant based diet. And he's like, you know what? I'm, I've been think. I think I'm thinking about doing it for a season. You know, and who knows? Maybe he'll do something. But they, and he will encourage another person, whether it's two or three people, which could be kind of cool. So you kind of each bit by bit, dropping a pebble in a pond and creating ripples. I want to create as many ripples as possible. In as many different areas of life. As many different areas. You mentioned fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, How much are you enjoying that? And where's the inspiration coming from? Are you quite artistic? Have you always... So I've always been very... um, I've always been very artsy, but I was definitely shied away from it. I was very shy about it as a kid. I used to draw on all my walls. I was quite good at art as a kid. Um, What, in your bedroom? Yeah. So I used to draw (laughs) just... pleased your parents. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, we had a terrible... Yeah. Racetracks, no. He didn't really say too much. I was kind of stay out of my room kind of guy. Um, Don't go in my room. But, uh, yeah, but the thing with kids, kids today and and everyone, there's there's a creative side in all of us. It's just tapping into it and not being shied away. I remember as a kid 
some teachers saying you're not good at something you know, I'm talking you down. And then you're like, okay, I'll give that up and I'll do something different. You know what I mean? It's, I don't believe they ever said that to you. They did. No, definitely, definitely did. They, with my racing teachers say, you know, parents from other drivers would come over to me and say, oh, you just don't have it. You're not, you're not good enough. You're not gonna make it. Like grown adults of our age and older telling a freaking eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old that you, you, just, oh, you just don't have it, son. You're not gonna do it. You're not gonna make it. And then I whooped their kid that hey, weekend. How did that affect you when you got that sort of negativity? Because you're such a positive guy. Did it, uh, definitely, did it knock you back? Or did it, it definitely knock me back a little bit. Um, definitely, particularly the one, the, the, the men that were very overbearing, you know, like forceful with it. And my teachers, my teachers particularly, when they talked me down, that hurt a lot. What did yeah. they tell What were you not good at at school? I had, a, I had a couple of, oh, I struggled at school. As I said, I was dyslexic. I struggled like hell um, in maths. I was always behind because I was always racing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every, pretty much every week. I'd leave on the Thursday and list, uh, miss at least half a day on Thursday, always Friday. Then my headmaster was a complete arsehole. And I get back on a Quick Monday. Quick name check, mister. <laughs> yeah. Can um, you remember his name? No, nah, he doesn't deserve to have his name be known. <laughs> Um, I get back because he didn't agree to me taking the time off and didn't support me. And when I go back on Monday, he's like, oh, you took Friday off. You're in detention for the day. Mm. For the whole day, I'd sit outside of his office, which was a narrow corridor and looking at the wall. Mm. Was deprived of schooling. So then I, when I did do, and then I got there on, and then Tuesday I get to school and you don't have your homework in. So I got detentions. I was just constantly in trouble. Mm. And then I'd had, luckily McLaren helped me try to uh, get a, private tutors so I'd have that before and after school so as a kid that period of time was the worst yeah. the best part was when I get to go and drive yeah. but all the other stuff I wasn't out with my friends because I was doing the extra lesson that I was yeah. doing and cool. and um, it was a horrible period of time I'm telling you Sounds I hated school I, more than anything and I guess you were always tired too because I mean you're racing up at Lark Hall in Scotland. Yeah. It wasn't traveling like you do now, was it? I'm no. guessing that you were with dad yeah, in, the, yeah. in the car yeah, and sleeping in the, car, in the back. Traveling, traveling around the country. Um, and then we obviously, then when we got to teenage, to 12, 13, I was traveling to, I was getting on flights to travel to Italy and back. And, and then- Yeah, your headmaster was never really gonna like you. No, no, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't. But, uh, but things we showed him the, the opportunity that yeah. we had. My dad took him a contract and said, look, we've got this amazing opportunity. This is a real career opportunity. We used to help support, maybe help give Lewis extra homework or uh, have one of the teachers help extra time. And he was like, no, mm. you can't do it. But- um, I bet you he's proud of you now. I don't know. I, I like to think he's probably watching TV and he's like, oh, I helped him get there. I bet yeah. you any money. He probably that's tells kind of, everyone in the pub. That's the yeah, kind of asshole yeah, he was. Yeah. So imagine the... <laughs> no, look, we, we digress. We were talking about fashion, actually. Yeah. Just, so fashion so is just... So it just, just yeah. goes back to, as a kid, I was massively, um, like every kid watching TV, I was watching, I was massively into music. My dad was in a band, so I was naturally encouraged to be involved in music and he was always playing great music. So I'd watch a VH1, MTV. I was hooked on those shows. And then I'd see these musicians dressing a certain way and I'd always wanted to be, a, I was like, oh, I wish I could dress like that. Who, and who in particular? Uh, at the time it was like Tupac, it was Biggie. Uh, Aaliyah used to wear some great stuff. Yeah, there was Usher, there was, um, geez, there was Jodeci. There was, there was so many artists. And anyways, I, so I wanted to do art, my dad, forced me to do something else. I think it was history or something like that, which I wasn't interested in at the time. And, um, and anyways, I, uh, it wasn't until I got, uh, yeah, when I got to Form 1 and I started to discover my creative side and really start to explore and what are you putting pieces together, trying your styling, which was a long process of finding designers you liked and those kind of things. I'm really interested by other um, professions, whether be here when you go and see these engineers designing the crazy things at the team and you're like i don't know how you do that and then you see it getting made on the other side of the factory and you're shocked at how they can make these things and, and then they put it on the car i'm fascinated by uh, all these different processes when i go to the fashion shows i see um i see these fashion shows come together and it's for eight minutes so much work goes in when i see the designer i'll be like hey what inspired you to make this choose this material and use this ending why I want to know why. And so just 
taking note and learning as much as I could. Do they tell you, or is there a yeah. secrecy about? No, they it? love. They seem okay. to. A lot of them are really cool. I guess maybe they. I don't know if they always get the same question. You know, um, it's just weird, isn't it? In Formula One, if you went up to Red Bull and said, "Hey, man, tell me about your new front wing," they'd be like, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah." But it's very open. It is, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. and it's a really great. It's a world that I really enjoy going in because each time also it's a competition. You turn up and you want to make sure that you look the part. You know, yeah. there's going to be so many people dressed at their best, yeah. and you want to make sure that you fit in and also that you're accepted yeah. and um, acknowledged. And anyways, and then I've come to this opportunity with Tommy. He says we should do something together. I was like, okay, well, when you talk about doing a capture collection, I really want to design it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You do do whatever you want. So then I had to study. I had to. I was getting books, I was looking online, I was I did a ton of research. Um, when I turned up to the showroom for the first design meeting, I had a bag full of clothes. I was like, hey, I really like this fabric. This is one of my f favorite pieces. Can we do something like this? Um, I'm inspired by this artist, that artist, that designer, this, that. And brought them all in, obviously because they're used to it. They went and dissected it, sent me some sketches. Then I sketched back to them the things I like to change in it. And we went back and back and forth, back and forth. Then we come to the photo shoot to see the whole pieces come together, and I'm shocked. I'm like, "Whoa! I love this stuff." Yeah, proud. Yeah, so proud. Yeah. Um, and then my next collection will be better because I've learned through that one process. We can do it much faster the next time, and I'll be better, and I'm growing. So, um, you know, new skill. Yeah, new skill. Well, like, do you know what, talking of, um, it's kind of talking a bit like this, but is it true that Roscoe the dog? Is now a model. I've, did I? It is. Have I read? Is, is yeah. that really? True? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, he's a good-looking dog, man. Well, see, now my wife's a vet, right? Mm. And I did say to her, I said, "Well, so Lewis, has, Lewis has got bulldogs," and she went, "All right, ask him why he's got bulldogs." Mm. So, so I grew up with dogs bulldogs. my whole life. Uh, no, I grew up with uh, Labradors. So my first dog was a Labrador. He's my best friend till I was eight, and it was the saddest day when he died, and. Like I remember that like it was yesterday. Uh, as you know, as you do, you get so connected. But, mm. but this dog was just, this dog was an angel. Like I would walk, that was in a time in the, in the 80s, late 80s, I walked to school, which was not massively far. You walk through the back alley and you go down the field and the school's there or you walk down the, around the corner. This dog would walk alongside me without a leash. He would just follow me. It's like, it really was my guy. And then I'd say, go home when I got, back then you didn't have to have your dogs on the lead. I'd say, go home. And he would go and probably do his own thing. He'd probably go and he had a few girlfriends along the way, <laughs> you know, but I'd get home and he was there. It was really was weird. It, his name was Goldie. It was a strange dog and he would yeah. always be by my bedside. He was just my guardian angel. It was really, right. really So, so he was a Labrador because the missus says that Bulldogs, they get breathing problems. Yeah, they definitely and, do. And, and there are skin infections and things yeah, like when that. Yeah, well, well, I always wanted to have my own dog. Yeah. And I always wanted actually a boxer dog, one that could go running with me. But then I was like, That's just, I need a kind of a smaller dog, really, because I'm traveling a lot. So I kind of need a smaller dog with me, probably. And also, I can't have a little damn chihuahua. I've got to have a dog that looks strong. <laughs> so, and then I saw some bulldogs, and I love their wrinkles. And I was like, they're the cutest, they cute. cutest little yeah, yeah. bulls of fluff. So... Anyway, I got my first bulldog, and it was just the greatest decision. And, that's um, and that was Roscoe. So what does he model? And I already had the name. I was like, I'm going to call my dog Roscoe. Just now I have to find him. And I found a picture of this, this dog online. And I was like, that's the one out of a thousand that I went through. Roscoe after Dukes of Hazard, or No, just, I don't know where. Uh, I, heard, I'd, I think it, it, I'd heard it maybe in a song or something. And it was... So what does he model? Roscoe now is, um, he gets... He's, he's part of a modern agency, I guess, and he has auditions for different, um, he'll go up against like 10, 15 different bulldogs. They'll need a bulldog for a, a product. And they-, they So uh, he gets paid? He gets paid like, I think he's on like six or $700 a day. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and he loves it. And then he gets his treats and he just loves it. Yeah. So and it's cool that they choose him. Cause he, I mean, he really is a good, he's a handsome boy. Yeah. for a bulldog, you know, because they're all, bless them, they don't realize that ugly bless them, face is all squashed. That's <laughs> yeah, just fantastic, isn't and, it? Uh, yeah, so he's... Uh, and, uh, and is it also true, Lewis, that you've frozen his sperm? It is true. Um, the reason for it is I 
I had to get him snipped because he was um poor guy he would wake up randomly and just freaking ejaculate everywhere uh, just uh, poor guy and he did and he was yeah. he would get scared he didn't know what happened <laughs> <was> so funny. <laughs> but he was it was it was bad because it was everywhere so i had to get yeah. he had to get the snip and i was like yeah but i can't have and can't not breed this boy he's got he's such a handsome and he's got the kindest heart so um so yeah we're frozen it so at some stage we'll get some puppies so probably when i once i retire from racing and i settle down and have family i'm definitely going to get more roscoes look you talk about sort of settling down do you see yourself in five years time i mean are you is it wife and kids and all of the above is that yeah is that what like like everyone i i see that at some stage i never grew up dreaming of that i've got some people that grew up dreaming of having that but I, I haven't i always said that i would have kids when i was like when i'm 28 i'm gonna have a kid and and then i got to 28 i was like hell no, no. <laughs> uh, and i'm 33 now and i'm like delaying it i'm gonna delay it as long as possible i'm gonna Delaying it because your your lifestyle isn't conducive to having yeah because the lifestyle that I choose currently to have of course I can decide to change it and have kids now if I wanted to yeah. but I don't want to I like I like like what I'm doing at the moment also I have so many projects and I I just wouldn't currently have time and it's just not the right time for me plus I've not met anybody really that uh, that that's gonna that I'm gonna do that with so uh, but I'm kind of like wait till I'm forty plus maybe forty four. <laughs> I've got 40. friends who are 40 just I've got a friend that's 44 and he's still single well, he did have kids though when he was younger so they're older now in their 20s but I'm gonna wait do you think having kids would slow you down definitely they're like they did bloody anchors the aren't they they're like <laughs> freaking parachutes <laughs> But like back in the day, they did say drivers used to talk about it slowing you down. Oh, slowing me down in my... In, a, in driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's impossible for me to say. I currently believe not, but naturally in getting older, you notice things like... I'm still just as daring as I was before, but I think sometimes think twice now. Jeez. When I was a kid, I never thought about what happens if you break your leg and you can't race. I didn't really think about those different things. That's where I con- I'm conscious about those things more so now. But you never. But I still do them. You still do them. I still do. I still go and do a backflip in a, on a snowboard. But I, I definitely think about the actual movement now, and I'm not as bounce-proof as I was when I was 18. But also, your attitude to risk in the car has that changed? No. As you've got older? No, uh, no, definitely not. I just think it's. I would just say it's got better. My attitude to risk in the sense that it's more controlled. It's more, um, more calculated. Risk. I'm able to calculate it more now. Yeah. Whereas as a kid, it was just pure adrenaline and pure balls, <laughs> you know? Yeah. As where now I've still got that, but I've also got the mental side. I'm stronger in my mind than ever before. So now I can control it. It's like, I guess it's almost like you can relate to, like, to, the, to the movie with a force. He has the force within him, but doesn't know how to utilize it. But I've got the force with me, but now I can control it. Now, I'm probably putting two and two together and making five here, but do you think your creativity <laughs> that we've discussed in, in, in the last half hour or so with fashion and things, is that somehow helping you in the car? Because you're just creative in what you're doing, your artistry behind the wheel. It's, um, am, what, I, am I making five? Yeah, no, yeah, making sense. You no, know, what it does, it just, I think all of us, we can easily get... When, if someone's listening right now, maybe they're at the desk and they're so tunnel visioned into what they're doing. But there are other hobbies and things that they like doing, but they've not had time for it, for example. But you've got to make time for certain things. But what, for me, what I've found is that these different things that I do are just stimulating my mind. For example, if I stay at home, if I, if I spend this week just training twice a day, not doing a thing, you know, sacrificing everything and not doing the things that I, that I also that I like, skip them get to the next race, physically might be in a better shape, but I'm actually miserable. And if I do all the things, and I'm, you know, you're gonna see, if you see my schedule, I'm traveling here and there, I've got these meetings, I've got these different projects that I'm working on, I get to interact and my mind's being challenged all the time, I arrive at the next race, maybe I don't have, maybe I have slightly less energy, but mentally I'm buzzing. And that is more powerful than having all the rest you can possibly want, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've literally tr- I've tried it. I've been at home, done this training, turned up and just had a basic weekend. And I've been and done all these other things and I've tried it multiple times. I turn up much, much better 
in oh, better form. So variety is the spice. Variety <laughs> is, yeah, keeping yeah. your mind stimulated and challenged and you're learning new yeah. things. And it's, that's why I don't want to move. I don't want to stop. I can't wait. I'm going, I'm, going, uh, I'm going here this weekend and I'm going there on Monday and then I'm traveling. I've got all these different things and different, uh, it, and also like I've got a photo shoot, for example, on I think Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday or something like that. And it's bloody hard doing these photo shoots. And, you know, people probably think about models and it's super easy. It's absolutely not. And so getting the right shot. All these Do you feel things. really self-conscious when you're doing that? When you're doing I don't feel, um, no. You've done so I don't much. Really, yet, I, I guess, yeah, I don't really feel self-conscious. What I do is just, I remember when I was younger, I just went in and didn't know what I was doing. And they took the worst shots. And I didn't know that I could say anything. So now I, I'm... I know what I want and I speak up. And the final thing uh, I wanted to just explore with you today was, was your faith. Because mm -hmm. you are so busy. I mean, just take that last 30 seconds describing what you're doing the whole time and it's, it's yeah. non-stop. When do you have fit in time f for faith and... and uh, well, you have to make time for things. And for example, every morning when I, um, every morning I have breakfast before I eat, I pray. Every time I actually, I pray. So I get to fit that, whether it's a couple of seconds, whether it's hard, you know a minute or whatever that you're praying for, just take that moment. Everyone else is talking and keeping it. I, I say, well, sorry, one second. And you just make, you, you make the time. And like Sunday, for example, this Sunday, I can't wait. I've got, I'm going to church on Sunday. Wake up, get to church, and I've got meetings afterwards. And um, I go with a couple of my close friends we meet, we go for breakfast, and then we go to church together. And we leave feel, most often feeling uh, enlightened and uh, empowered. And it's like, it's like a recentering. It's really, really often, sometimes you leave and you're like, oh, I didn't get that today. But most of the time you leave and you're like, wow, I feel, I know where I'm going. And you have to go to a church to get that sense. No, I mean, my, for example, the church I go to is actually a, a <clears throat> Uh, it's a beaten down cinema. It's actually a cinema. And they, we have a pastor there. So it doesn't matter where you are. Churches are often beautiful but can be boring. But this one just happens to be actually a church in a cinema. Mm. So, but you don't have to go to church. I don't get to go all the time because we race on Sundays. So mm. I don't get to go all the time. But sometimes I watch online um, on a Sunday or a Wednesday because they have the live services. Sometimes I watch like Joel Osteen. And, um, and sometimes we have races, don't we, on Easter <coughs> Day? I remember we've raced in the past. Does yeah. that, do you have issues with that? Would no, you, I'd, I'd, no, I mean, it's, it's being strict and there's sometimes just being unethical in some things. I just, I yeah. fit it in my life. I feel comfortable with my relationship with God. And it's, it's really about also giving thanks. And you know, we all have these different things. You have your family and beautiful family in your life and people in your life. And who do you give thanks to? You can give thanks to within yourself or to maybe a parent that passed or whatever it may be. You just communicate. Sometimes I talk to my auntie who passed away and mm -hmm. tried to send her a message. Hey, auntie, I hope you're well. Please keep your eye over, over my cousin's going through a difficult time right now. Um, guide me and uh, somehow let me know if there's something that I can do to be there. So it's just about you like just connecting with yourself, taking a moment for yourself to acknowledge God and the great creations and things that are around you and are happening to you, good or bad. And also sometimes I pray before every race, just ask for, all I ever ask is for everyone to be safe and to free me to be as the best I can be. I know if I'm the best I can be, I'll be everyone. That's, my, that's what I truly believe. And if you're heading towards the barrier, I mean, I still wince when I see footage of that shunt you had in Nürburgring 2.7. Do you remember you had mm -hmm. a tyre failure? Yeah. And you went head on. Yeah. Massive shunt. Don't have time to pray. <laughs> but, but do you have... But the thing is, you know that I've, I, I, anything can happen in day, but I feel that I've, God's got his hand over me, so... Kind of what will be, will be. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think you're just bracing. But still nothing's a given and there's no there, there's nothing that's written that says that i'm going to live to 100 years old there's nothing saying that i'm going to live to see my next birthday so I'll tell you what i'm going to make sure i get everything in between now and the next day and just You're certainly doing that maximum but you still love formula one 
Yeah, I love racing. I mean, I, I can Is honestly Formula say I really did. Is Formula 1 worth dying did. for, though? Um, no. I wouldn't say Formula 1 is worth dying for. Because it your, is a risk. Your passion and your dream and your ambition and your, your, your goals, I think, uh, can be worth dying for. Affecting someone's life in a positive, getting someone through. You know, I've had people come up to me who ran after me when I went to this um, uh, musical one time and this woman ran after me and she's like, oh my God, I just wanted to tell you that you got, you know, I was, I was in 2007, I was going through cancer and chemo and you got me through it and I'm like how she's like well just every weekend I saw you get on get in that car and the way you drove and then the way you spoke I connected with you and I was powering through it with you and I was like wow I had no idea and she was standing there six to seven years later or everything she's like I got through it I couldn't have got it through it without you it's hard to grasp that and to imagine what she was going through but she grabbed onto something and that was maybe this young kid that's come from nowhere but facing adversity but f somehow fighting through it she somehow put those together um so that's definitely worth fighting for that's definitely worth dying for that's definitely worth if you can touch one kid and put them on course for their potential that's definitely worth fighting for what an amazing guy you are lewis thank you for your time it's been great to Cheers, great man. to chat Didn't, also, i was a bit nervous about what we're going to talk about today but i appreciate yours was it, it was a good interview yeah it was good because we talked it. about different stuff you know yeah, so i really enjoyed it fugees if you say oh what do you think of the tires yeah and you, what do you think yeah. of this? tell me about the understeer you went through sandavot yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh geez thank god i didn't have to talk but it's just you have the most amazing platform don't you it is i'm as excited it's, to it's know just, what you're going to do Post After. Formula One, as I am to know what you're going to do at the next race. Yeah, it's, um, isn't uh, it? You're just that's that's cool. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, I just it's great. I do hope we still see you around in Formula One. I yeah, I don't know. I, I know I, you've got I, so much to do, but in all honesty, I really, I really, um, I see these greats that I consider still greats. They don't know that I consider them greats some of the ex-world champions that walk around. And I look at them and I, st I appreciate them so much. And they don't, they, they don't, they won't know, but, but people just walking by them. And I'm like, do they, they don't even realize that dude there was freaking won this Grand Prix. He won that. He was like, he was ahead of the game at one point, you know, and, but it's the same in other sports as well. So when I think about when I, when I stop, hopefully when I decide to stop, I think people just get so, comfortable and used to you I don't want people to be walking by me forgetting what I've done you know so what so what I kind of but also I have these other things so I want to step away from it and, and but then when I do come back it means something you know what I mean it's like the kid that's a young kid that's come up it's like oh my god that's that's the ex-champion you know you know what I mean I'm gonna play they'll always think that no I don't your know record speaks for itself but I'm gonna play devil's advocate and say you have invested 30 years of your life into mm. motor racing you know so much about it yeah it would be a pity just to part that wouldn't it mm, or maybe not no I, no I disagree <laughs> you disagree right? I, mean, I kind of geez I've been around it for so long I don't want to, I don't want to be around it for the rest of my life yeah you know racing is not the be all and end all I, I, I kind of look forward to I, I, I think to myself like if I have a family if I had a family now my kid's going to want to be a racing driver I don't personally want my kid to be a racing driver. If they want to eventually be a racing driver, that's one thing, but I don't want to encourage it. I, I want to give them tools and help their character grow and blossom and, and them to be comfortable in their own, in who they want to be and choose a way. But I don't want it to be, um, I don't want it to be forced by the fact that they're around that. So you know what I mean? So I'm excited about breaking away and being something completely different, separate from that world. To the point that they're almost at school and their parents don't even know that I've what I've done and achieved. I'm doing something different. What was that advert? You filmed an advert and you were an old guy and you had your kids yeah, was, around you. Yeah, it was like 60 years later or something. Something like that, isn't it? it was okay, I've now yeah. got this image of you with your mm -hmm. son of grandpa or whatever they're saying. Yeah, yeah but that's exactly what? that's yeah. exactly it. The damn kids that were there, they were rolling their <laughs> eyes back in their head. Yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> um, no, I just... yeah. Whether it be, I don't know, I kind of, 
But I guess it's just difficult when you, but I definitely don't want to be around it forever. But when I, I do want to revisit and it to be fresh, you know what I mean? Back to this whole thing of when you travel to a country and you've been there, you've done something so many times, it becomes a norm and you lose that appreciation for it. Mm. If I just stay hanging around racing, firstly, it's going to suck because I love driving and watching someone else drive is not going to please me. <laughs> it just never, I'm never going to have that same yeah. appreciation. But it'll be cool to come back and it feel fresh again and be like, wow, look how far it's come along. And learning something, I come to the garage and I'm like, wow, look at the technology, how far it's come along. Look how this driver's doing something different when he's driving. So when I, when, when I pop back, I want to see change. And, so. and Max Verstappen will still be younger than you are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will, he's, he will, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, up until then, got to, there's these championships, man, they take everything. It takes everything to win these championships. Not just within yourself, from so many people. How do you round that team up? How do you rally them and get them? How do you get that army to fight to the bone to help you win that championship? That's a, a, a super challenge in itself. Keep doing what you do. I think that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, how do you keep your engineers motivated, you know? And hopefully right now they can see, I know my engineers can see my, motivating, my motivation and uh, hopefully they're inspired, you know, they they're inspired by the way I drive and then they, they work towards it to give me, they know if they give me the car and put it, allow me to put it in that certain place, it's going to be magical, you know? Constantly keep inspired. That's, that's a challenge for all of us. I'm looking at the most successful qualifier in the history of Formula One. Mm -hmm. That's him. He's just here, <laughs> you know, you see, you're, you're doing it. Imagine, imagine in 40 years time when you're super grey, man. I mean, and I'll be super grey as well, and we'll be able to look back on it. My mate's great me badger, right? Less of the grey hair. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, starting to go. Yeah. Lewis, thank you. Pleasure, man. It's great. Thank you so great, much. Great. See you at the next one. Yep. So there you have it, folks. My conversation with Lewis, then a four-time champion on his way to number five, and now a seven-time champion. If you enjoyed that, remember we have loads of conversations for you to enjoy in our back catalogue. From world champions like Jackie Stewart, Emerson Fittipaldi, Alain Prost and Mario Andretti, to modern superstars like Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. And let's not forget the likes of John Barnard, Gordon Murray, Christian Horner, Gunter Steiner, Mattia Binotto and so many more besides. I'll be back next week with another great conversation from the archive. Until then, keep your comments coming in. We love to hear from you as ever. And perhaps you could tell me who you want to hear from this year on Beyond the Grid. The hashtag is F1 Beyond the Grid and my handle is at Tom Clarkson F1. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audio Boom. Until next time, keep it flat out. <laughs>